From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. For every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Corngut. I am a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Development Hell. Today, we are talking about something very in the zeitgeist, very of the moment. We are getting into Scream. Somehow, for the first time in 40 episodes, we're talking about Scream today. Why not? The new movie's out everywhere but Ontario. I'm really mad about it, and we'll talk about that soon. So Scream, everyone knows, the original three, it's a trilogy, we love it. And then they were going to make a second trilogy, and that was going to start with Scream 4. Around the release of Scream 4, there was sort of conversations of if it had done well, we were going to get a Scream 5 and a 6. And writer Kevin Williamson and director Wes Craven kind of had a sense of what that was going to look like. 
We never got that. We got some other things instead, like a TV show and the new film. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. The references for today's info is brought to you by the Horror Queers podcast, who we love very, very much. And of course, Wikipedia. But I would say the most exciting part of today's episode is our very special guest. We have with us Chad Collins. Chad is a staff writer at Dread Central, there's also a lot of other things, and I think it's best if he tells us those other things himself. Hi, Chad. How's it going? Hey, Josh. How are you? Good. Okay, would you do me a favor and introduce yourself to the Development Hell audience? So, like you said, I'm a staff writer for Dread Central, and then I write for a few other sites online. Most notably, I have a gig over at Slash Film, where I do a lot of horror content and lists And outside of that, I'm a teacher, and it's very exciting because I always try to incorporate horror and some of my own writing into my lessons. So it's horror all day, every day, really. Wow, what a life. What a perfect existence. You don't have to answer this, but what ages do you teach? So I teach at St. John's River. It's a community college, and then at ASU, Arizona State Online. So they're all undergraduates. So Chad, what's your general relationship with Scream? So Scream for me, I think, is like a lot of other people. It's really that first foray into horror. And not just strictly Mm. horror, though, but that first foray into horror fandom. So Mm -hmm. growing up, it was actually one of my first pieces for Dread. I wrote about my mother and I titled it, you know, Growing Up with an Irresponsible Mother in quotes, because a lot of what we bonded over was horror movies. So Mm -hmm. Scream was the first time I really, I think, saw myself on screen a horror fan and a horror movie that respected horror fans and just the efficacy and impact of the genre. And that was deeply meaningful to me. In addition, of course, to just being sensationally fun and funny and also scary. Mm -hmm. And it's got this inimitable appeal that really hasn't been matched ever since. It did its own thing and it's carved out almost its own meta Mm subgenre. And it's enduring in that way, I think. It's always something that you can revisit. And every time it feels very fresh and you don't get that sort of same exhaustion that you do with some other movies watching them again and again and again, it holds up every single time. Is it possible to paint us a picture of that first viewing experience? What what was going on? So the first viewing experience was back in the heyday of Blockbuster. I don't want to reignite that whole Twitter video rental controversy, but where I grew up only had a Blockbuster, so that was where I had to go. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mom renting it after we've watched a couple of horror movies. I'd seen Halloween at that point child's play which still has scarred me for life seeing that at such a Uh young age and we finally reached a point where she was like i think this is one you would like to see and i was probably eight or nine at the time when she rented that and naturally it scared the heck out of me but i remember even you know all those years ago just there was something about it that stuck with me and as best as like a nine-year-old can conceptualize it it was i liked it i liked the sydney person Ghostface, scary. Mm. Um, I was him for Halloween, naturally, like a lot of children after that. And then over time, I remember my mom just slowly introduced me to the remaining two sequels. I don't necessarily remember my first experience with Scream 2. Um, It's sort of like just this like nebulous. I know it happened, but I can't really figure out any specific details. But I know that with Scream 3, that was such a deeply meaningful thing to me. And have you seen the new Scream yet? Unfortunately, I have not. I am in Ontario, Canada, and we are still in lockdown. So our theaters are closed, but it's really sad. I'm very sad for you. (laughs) Thank you. This is not a spoiler. 
Okay. Just with the meta commentary, there's one point where it's brought up that Stab, the Scream you know, movie within the movie, is a deeply meaningful franchise to a lot of fans. And it's the movie that they watched with their mother or father or family and built these really special relationships through. Mm-hmm. And Scream 3, for me especially, was something that happened with. I remember I had a particularly bad day at school. It was my first day of sixth grade. You know, I'll, I'll make myself very vulnerable. <laughs> I wore tidy whities to mm-hmm. gym class. And, you know, that was subject to a lot of rumor and gossip because it was like he should be wearing boxers at this point. Middle school boys are mean. I was okay. deeply uncomfortable, though. And I went home. My mom was like, let's go to Blockbuster. And we went oh, and she was like, let's get this. And she picked out Scream 3. And it was the only one I hadn't seen at that point, And, of course, the only one that remained. And we went home and I got some M&Ms and some popcorn and I sat down and watched it and I was just obsessed with it. I was telling everybody I could about it. Nobody knew what I was talking about because I was in sixth grade and I was like, so it's her brother, but he's like, you know, she didn't know that was her brother. And they're like, what the, what are you talking about? And I was like, it's Scream 3, baby. Like, come on. Hello, get, with it. <laughs> get into it. First of all, that's so beautiful. I could cry. Second of all. Can I tell you about my first time watching Scream Yes, 3? I would love to hear about it. Oh my god, thank you. Okay, so it was the first time I got to see, I'm going to age myself here, a Scream movie in the theater. And I saw it with my dad, and it wasn't rated R. Uh, Canada, our version of PG-13 is 14A. So it was rated 14A, and we're like, okay, how bad could it be? And me and my dad went to see it on like 11 a.m. on a Sunday, and I feel like we were like the only two people in the theater and we were scared. <laughs> and I know it's not necessarily the scariest scary movie of all, of all time. It holds a special place in my heart, too, for similar family reasons. And I always, I rank it fairly high. And it's and it always, it gets people, gets people talking, gets people mad. I, is it too early to ask about our rankings? I don't think so. Okay, because I feel like it's it's time. You can include the new one. In fact, I insist that you do. So for me, number one, naturally, is Scream. I know that a lot of people, actually, I, I didn't actually know this. With the release of the new one, a lot of people started to share their rankings. And I was surprised by how often Scream wasn't the first. But Weird. for me, it's definitely Scream is the first. There's no doubt in my mind there. Number uh-huh. two, I think, is still Scream 2. It just I... feels like such a perfect follow-up. And I know that some fans, Scream 2 didn't have that same just privilege of releasing at a very important critical juncture in the horror genre it was simply mm-hmm. about sequels but even without that just sort of perennial relevancy i think it's just as strong as the first i think it expanded the scale wisely and it was scarier and it was funnier and it didn't have that same freshness that the first did just by virtue of being a sequel but in terms of what matches i think just the impact the first one had for me it screamed too and then I hate to say this, and I'm very sorry. New Scream, I think, is probably landing at number three. Cool. Okay. Just because it does have that privilege, and it does a I lot to that. sort of model the first movie and re-sort of configure it for a new generation, which uh-huh. is what I think Scream 4 really wanted to do. I don't okay, think I'm it ready. did it as successfully as <laughs> a lot of the Scream 4 fandom thinks it did. And by virtue of that, we'll then move on to Scream 3, I think, ranks oh. next as the fourth. Okay. And then Scream 4 would be the weakest sequel for me. And just as a little preview of why, um, for Gaily Dreadful, I actually did a series on the Scream movies. Um, I revisited them and mm-hmm. did this sort of almost live commentary. And for me, and this is 
I don't mean to you know upset anybody. It feels incomplete to me. It almost feels like a working draft of Scream 4. There are moments wow. and beats that feel like first takes that just nobody fixed. And it gives us this really unsteady quality of like, here's our work print of Scream 4, but we're just going to pretend it's the final release. Like I can see where all the promise is. And I still immensely enjoy Scream 4. I think it does a lot of things really, really well. But there are moments where I just feel like it's not a complete movie. <laughs> Listen, this is a very fair take. And I watched it I watched it a couple of days ago to prepare for this. And I am a Scream 4 apologist, but everything that you're saying kind of mm, I agree with, even though I do love it very, very much. And it ranks a little bit higher for me. But it doesn't, yeah, it, it does feel a little bit incomplete. I agree with you on that. And maybe even a little bit Frankensteined together, especially with that ending, the hospital ending, which feels very tacked on. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that pretty soon. Wow. Okay. Controversial. I'm going to have to kick you out. I'm going to tell you <laughs> my incomplete because I haven't seen the fifth one yet. But good news. Our our lift is coming, I believe, on the 30th. So I'll probably be able to see it then. That's awesome. I know. Thank God. Okay. I think mine. Okay. I want to say one, of course. And I've really gotten used to saying Scream 4 second. But that seems insane nowadays. But I'm going to hold true to it. So Scream okay. 1, Scream 4, unfortunately Scream 3, and then Scream 2. I think, yes, my ranking is wrong. I think I just have to say it. It's 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 not correct, but it is how I feel. And I can't apologize too hard for how I feel, right? No. I and should just accept it. I was actually thinking about this the other day. I think one of the reasons it's had such an impact is that if you ask people their rankings, I think everyone has a totally valid but different ranking. And totally. if you look at like other long-running horror franchises... I don't think there would be a great deal of like, I I think the differences in rankings would be pretty arbitrary. Like if you look at Friday the 13th or Halloween, people generally agree on which ones are, you know, the really good ones there. Mm -hmm. But with Scream, I think everyone has a valid argument for why they might have Scream 2 first or Scream, you know, in the middle of the pack. And I think there's something really cool about that, that everyone has their own perspective and there's Mm -hmm. a solid reason for why. Can I tell you why I rank Scream 2 last? Yes, because I am actually curious about that. <laughs> I'm like a big SMG fan. Sarah Michelle Gellar, she's my queen. I'm in my 30s. A lot of gay guys in their 30s, there's like no one better than SMG. And I kind of feel like the movie squanders her. Actually, I definitely feel like the movie squanders her. Now, I have heard that maybe that was supposed to be a cameo. It doesn't feel like a cameo. It just mm. feels like someone they knocked off kind of unceremoniously too quickly. So I was really mad about that. And then the second thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way about Scream 2 is I went to theater school and all of the theater school stuff just felt really cringy to me. All of the (laughs) heavy handed uh, Greek allegory stuff and the Greek show that she's rehearsing. To this day, it's hard for me to watch. So that's very personal and has probably very little to do with the film itself. But it just it's it's. It's awkward for me that that theater stuff can't get into it. I I will um, agree with you there. I I was never the biggest fan, and then that set piece when she's on stage, I thought was a little hokey. So hokey um, when Ghostface is popping up in rehearsal, and yeah, I still honestly I'm kind of dumb. I'm still not sure if that was meant to actually be happening or if it was just a way mm-hmm. of manifesting her own fear. 
but uh-huh. it looks like it was actually happening, and that's I'm I have a hard time getting through that part. I had that, I have that question a couple of times in in the series where I'm like, was this a dream? Was this real? Was that her mom? I'm confused, and I agree that was that was a, one of those instances. Although I do love the killers for Scream Two, I think that that was one of the smartest reveals, or maybe the most fun reveals for a killer because it's aunt jackie sorry spoiler alert that's cool and i like that i didn't have the full scope of like who laura metcalf was okay so i think like in yeah. retrospect if i were watching it i would probably be like oh that's laura metcalf she's got to be doing something here <laughs> lady it's lady i don't know she not killer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. lady with short hair she's yeah. probably not doing too much no she's doing everything yeah now that you're saying it like if i had more context at the time of watching it, I would have been like, yes, Laurie Metcalf, like, they're going to do something with her. And they did. I wonder if um, Kevin Williamson was a Roseanne fan or if he wrote on Roseanne. I feel like everybody did. They might have. Yeah. So today's topic really has a lot to do with Scream 4. Not necessarily anything other than the fact that it was the first film that was going to spawn this new trilogy that didn't work out. There are a couple of other lost scream like alternative realities in the books like there is an alternative scream three ending are you familiar with this so i feel like i should be the only one that's coming to mind is the scream two ending um that i'd read a lot about i think it's just from what i've read is it was supposed to end with Ghostface as the camera pans out from sydney standing in a clock tower watching her i remember that in number two and number two, yeah, there was allegedly Whoa. supposed to be a scene of ghost, an additional ghost face watching Sydney. Third from the ghost tower. face, wow. Um, okay. And that was naturally scrapped. Um, if you could refresh me on that Scream 3. Okay, I'd love ending. to. So the original ending to the Kevin Williamson draft of Scream 3, we're at the mansion and everybody's dead. And I think we're really supposed to believe that Gail had died. It's the same killer. And then all of a sudden, everyone gets back up. And nobody's actually dead. And the reveal is that there was this fan club that had formed between Stab 1 and Stab 2. And they decided to take their fanaticism just a little bit too far to the point where they had set up this entire fake film, which was this fake, which is, I guess, what we would have viewed as Scream 3. So we're in the mansion and everybody's dead. And then then everyone just like kind of gets back up and they're like, ha ha, we're just kidding. Um, and the studio didn't love it, and it actually got repurposed into an episode of The Following, which was one of Kevin Williamson's series in the early 2010s. Doesn't really make a lot of sense. I do love the audacity of it, but I just, like, there's no way that that adds up in any way. No. Um, And I think one of the versions, other reports on the internet were saying that the victims turned out to be alive were also including people from previous films, like Maureen Prescott was alive. And it was a part of this elaborate conspiracy to trick Sydney and to drive her crazy. It was bonkers. That does sound and, bonkers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that didn't work out, but that was from the mind of Kevin Williamson. So we have to have some respect for it. We have to pay it some due. I like how big a swing it is, even if yeah. I know personally I'd have seen that and I think Scream 3 would have dropped down my ranking if that had been allocated. (laughs) (laughs) It's not good. It's not good. But I am interested in it. If you're okay with it, I'd love to get into a little bit about the history of Scream 4. Absolutely. So so Scream 4 
is a 2011 meta slasher from Wes Craven and writer Kevin Williamson. It stars a new slew of um, young victims and characters. Emma Roberts is in it, Hayden Pantier, Rory Culkin, Alison Brie, Adam Brody. And then, of course, we've got Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, and David Arquette. It was released by Dimension Films April 15th, 2011, and it made $100 million against a $40 million budget, which might sound good, but at the time this was considered to be a flop, both commercially and financially, sending the rest of this new planned trilogy down the drain. Um, We talked a little bit earlier about our thoughts and feelings about Scream 4, but I want to get into it a little bit deeper. I think one of the reasons I am such a fan of this film has got to be Emma Roberts' Something about the way that the character is written and portrayed is just really fun. And it was a surprising ending. And it was one that I kind of got, I could get behind in 2011. Watching it today, the, um, what's the word where it's the reason that you're killing everyone? The motive? Um, yeah. The motive is bonkers and I don't buy it now. When I was 20 in 2011, I was like, yes, I'm on Facebook. What's Twitter? I buy this, but I don't, I don't necessarily buy it as much today. There are some big fan favorites in this film, including Hayden Pantier's character. How, people are obsessed with Kirby. Do, do you have a feeling on, as to why? I think it's just because, see, I came prepared with this hot take, Josh, and I'm oh sorry. My God. Oh um, my God. I don't like Kirby. Oh, I'm okay with that. Okay. I'm oh, good. People yeah. love Kirby. Yeah, they I, love Kirby. I appreciate her as a way of trying to take some of the more dated elements of Randy's character and repurpose mm-hmm. that into something that's a little bit more palatable. Because mm-hmm. Randy is definitely a character that, you know, first watch, he's charming and he's goofy and he's fun. But then in retrospect, it's, he doesn't really hold up quite as well. No. Um, even if I don't think he necessarily gets to be as egregious as some of you know the contemporary takes make him, um, mm-hmm. you know he's not great, but I think he's a little bit more innocuous than he looks in retrospect. But mm-hmm. I think people like that Kirby is sort of this cool girl, you know, reconstruction of who can't uh, of who Randy is, and it reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of Jillian Flynn with Gone Girl and that whole cool girl monologue. I think at the time in the zeitgeist that was a very big thing this repurposing of, you know, who women could be and how they could be portrayed on screen and taking what was a conventionally male role of the film geek and applying that to her and making Mm -hmm. her naturally hot along the way because she was hot. Um, So that helped, (laughs) I think. Mm -hmm. But for me, she just, she seems a little bit too detached from everything. Her horror fandom just seems, it almost seems mean, which is not always something I got from Randy, but from Kirby. I felt like she was being mean to me. I wasn't even there. I was an audience member. And I was like, she would be mean to me in real life. Like a Kirby... gatekeeper kind of a mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. She's, okay. There's this element to her where it's like she knows it all and no one else can. And part of it probably had to do with being in high school at the time when I first saw it. And cool. having an actual sort of, I knew Kirby's in that sense. Okay. So part of it is me just, you know, applying you're, things. You're bitter, I see. I get a, little, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, I don't disagree with you. This has never been my favorite character either. And hearing you talk about it makes me kind of wish that they didn't go hot girl with it. Because that archetype in the first film, it was totally fine to go full on, like, nerd, not hot, 
kind of fringe type character. And I feel like we're just not as comfortable seeing that with women. Like we can see a dude and we're comfortable with not being attracted to him. But I just like, I don't think they were ready to do that with, uh, with a woman character. Maybe it would have been cool to Mm -hmm. actually make her a nerd to actually make her, I don't know, a little bit more fringe. She was not at all. And I think coupled with like that weird glossy look that Scream 4 just has overall, (laughs) it seems like, you know, a way to try to take this character and make her more accessible, which in a weird way is kind of dated to just, we have to make her hot for this to work. You don't think the first Scream is bright and glossy? I feel like the fourth Scream is like a little bit dimmer. There's just something about the look of Scream 4, which is probably another reason why. And I still love it. I want to make it clear. Like, um, I used to be really into IMDb ratings before I started actually writing about movies. And I think I've got screened for it at a 9 out of 10. Wow. So it's, I still love it. It's just among the franchise. It just ranks the lowest, but it's still pretty high up there. There's just something about the look. It just seems very digital and detached. Yes. That's correct. It's almost too crisp. Um, it's not mm-hmm. quite as bad as like having that uh, motion blur on your television, but it's it reminds me of something like that. Like it makes my eyes feel uncomfortable because it looks too clean. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like when we all kind of got our first HD TVs, and is that what you're talking about with motion blur, where everything mm-hmm. looked like un? Yeah, yeah. I'm still not okay with that. I watch everything on my like tiny macbook air and i feel comfortable and i feel safe i turn all the settings off all of those default settings on my tv to make things look nicer i'm like turn that off (laughs) yeah get rid of that i wish that 90 percent of what i consumed weren't just podcasts these days but that's where i'm at (laughs) it's fine can i give you uh the original opening scene for scream 4 that was scrapped that i find very interesting yes So according to Mr. Kevin Williamson himself, he had a totally different idea to start off the fourth film. It was going to feature Sidney Prescott. It was going to be her, her fiance, and her assistant, because now she was a famous writer. And they're all in their nice house in the middle of who knows where, and then the phone call happens. And according to Kevin, this was like a really scary, prolonged scene where even before you get the phone call, like you're just sitting with them, getting to know them, which is always off-putting because you know you get to know people and then they die that's not fun so yeah so you're sitting with them and then when the phone call happens the scary stuff obviously sort of seeps in um ghostface uh enters i think kills a couple of the people ends up stabbing sydney five times but in classic sydney fashion she overcomes ghostface kills him like literally kills him in the opening scene and that's what the opening sequence was going to be And then we were going to have a title card saying two years later to get to the actual story. And I'm very interested in that. Like to get a whole sort of contained scream film in one opening scene kind of sounds groundbreaking. I actually agree. I think that would be, that would have been really cool. And Mm -hmm. I think it would have been a cool way of subverting expectations more than the movie within a movie within a movie. As much as I love that. I think this is something that would have taken me <laughs> off guard. Yeah. I don't know if I love, I I love Scream 4, always have, but I've never liked the opening. 
What are your thoughts on the actual Scream 4 opening? It's just too much. Like, stop. Pick pick a lane, please. It's confusing. I was very bad when I was in high school. And before Scream 4 came out, Uh this was the first one I was going to get to see in theaters. I was all over the message boards. I was reading everything I could. I remember before the trailer even premiered online, it had premiered at the MTV, I think maybe the movie awards or at some kind of MTV awards ceremony. And the only thing available for a week before the trailer actually premiered was like cell phone footage of this trailer playing at the MTV awards. And I probably (laughs) watched that a million times. Wow, that's so 2010. You couldn't be more 2010 than that. But it I was feel very you. 2010, and I was on yeah. IMDb message boards with which also oh, is very those. 2010 because they don't exist yeah. anymore. I know. And there were a couple of things spoiled for me. Um, I didn't know the killers, luckily, um, but I did read about this opening. Um, someone had at some point found something leaked, I think, and they were like, "Yeah, it's going to open with a movie within a movie within a movie." And of course, IMDb message boards, I took that with a grain of salt. I was skeptical, didn't Mm -hmm. know if I believed it. And then when the movie started, I said, okay, yeah, I was in the theater. And I said, this is what this is going to be. That person was right. But it still worked for me. Mm -hmm. I liked, I think part of that has to do with just the cast they got to do it. Like Anna Uh Paquin and Kristen Bell. That was, was my like, favorite this one, is, obvious. Like, this of course, is it. that's the best one. I was just talking, I was watching it with my friend, my best friend. And I was just saying, I wish they just committed to that one. I wish that that had been like nine minutes. I really would have been behind that. The only hang up I have with it is I wish the Marnie and Jenny scene had gone on a little bit longer. The actual opening opening because I don't. Oh, I think. So did you ever see the alternate cut of the Scream 4 opening? Yes. It it wasn't like it was like kind of rough, right? So it was rough, but I liked the idea of it with like Ghostface appearing behind the fridge and the doorway and neither of them yes. noticing. And then it was better. Yeah. Um, I, you know, if they had taken some of the attention from the one they committed to for the release, but then added that into it for me, that's my personal, like perfect scream for opening with what they have. I just it was think more that, violent. Like you, there was actually some blood. In yeah. That one. And it just, there, there was that, yeah, there was that moment of, like genuine fear that mm-hmm. I think the actual opening they have just the stakes just felt very by the numbers. It was especially yeah. leading into it. And this, I don't mean to denigrate scream Four, especially with the, <laughs> a little bit, probably <laughs> with the movie within a movie poking fun at these dated horror tropes and the way slasher sequels recycle the same scares. It was weird for me to see them do that, but in earnest. Yeah, because what they did with Marnie and Jenny, I said, this could have been a stab sequel that you just made fun of. But mm-hmm. this is what you did. And Craven works harder than anybody. <laughs> so he, yeah. he made it work as best he could. But there was something in there still that I just thought this feels like it should be a stab movie and not a scream movie. Yeah, it felt. Yes, that whole first mm, intro definitely felt stab. Although, you know, it would have been cool if it just had been a stab movie. If all of Scream 4 had just been stab 3. What? No. Yes. It is as meta as it gets. Were you <laughs> watching Pretty Little Liars at this time? I was not, no. Okay. Okay. So then you weren't even getting the satisfaction of seeing Lucy 
Hale? Yes. Getting it so terribly. Um, I, I did watch- I, I did. I liked that one as well. I, I thought, I don't know who the other girl was. She was famous. Who, who was the other girl in that Lucy Hale uh, segment? It's okay uh, if you don't know. Name? I do not. She's, not like, off the top of she's, my head. she's like a CW funny person. Um, they were funny. They made me laugh. Even two days ago. No, and I, she and I really want to know her name. Um, yeah, I kind of do too. I do have this. I'm never gonna. Because even if I see I her name, I'm not. Shanae Grimes. Okay. And I really liked her. She was she was funny. Yeah, they were really funny. And so, <laughs> I also remember thinking the lead girl. So the so the actual opening with the two blondes, Marnie and Jenny. Jenny such 2010 hair like oh. the epitome of like really shiny really straight blonde bangs and i'm not saying that with hate in my heart i still yeah they both had incredible hair um, mm-hmm. and if anything other than the bangs from scream 3 i think everyone in scream has had great hair oh i mean in the entire in the entire series the entire series so, so, so. i just think the hair is mm-hmm. very good yes you know scream one of the most consistent series, and I think a big part of that is consistently great hair. So I was listening to Kevin Williamson talk today on the Queer Horror Queers podcast, and he was saying that he had nothing to do with the Stabathon sequence, and I thought that was kind of interesting. He also was saying that there was like a total of eight writers working on this film, and I like to consider myself kind of like in the know of what's going on in the film industry, and that really surprised me even to learn that it was like a full writer's room of people. Um... And I, yeah, I do kind of get the sense of it. It kind of feels like it was written by committee a little bit. Mm-hmm. And another thing that he mentioned that I found really interesting was that the ending was completely tacked on. Is that something that surprises you or no? So I do remember at the time when after it came out and they announced, I think, like the release on Blu-ray or DVD, I think at the time was Blu-ray around in 2011. I, I would not know. I do not know. Um, and they were talking about alternate cuts and deleted scenes. And I remember reading about an original ending that had Sydney stabbed by Whoa. Jill. Um, okay. And then she's bleeding out on the floor and she's presumed dead. And Jill is successful. At, you know, she's leaving the uh, ambulances there. People are being wheeled out. And mm-hmm. then somebody shouts, I think a paramedic, and says, we've got a survivor. And then that's when Scream 4 would cut to black. Oh, um, so I remember reading something about that and thinking that could have been cool. I don't think it would have been satisfactory, especially given the length between Scream Four and Scream Five. If that's how mm-hmm. it had ended, and yeah, and we were just like, "Is Sydney dead?" For I an guess entire decade. <laughs> would you assume yes, or would you assume no? You'd have I, no idea. Yeah, I would want to assume yes, but it would have been one of those things where. You know, this being screamed, you can never really trust your gut instinct. So Mm-mm. I think I would have been furious um, waiting a decade to have resolution to that. But yeah, if you were lucky, like we're lucky this is even happening. It could have been never. So I I'm like glad that, yeah. the hospital scene, though. I think I do, too. I do, too. Scream 4 is at its best when it just sort of indulges in its own craziness, mm-hmm. I think. And that's why I think the Jill reveal is so good. And I'm happy to see a lot of reconsideration for Scream 4, especially with Jill, because mm-hmm. that's 100% what really elevates it, I think, is that that killer reveal, her motive, 
and just her behavior. So as ludicrous as the hospital scene is, and I think it's acknowledged by Jill saying this was supposed to end at the house. This is silly for us to be here. This is silly. Yeah, that was funny. I think that by virtue of it being so silly, I'm like, this works. Because this is the scream for I really want is just no holds barred lunacy. And Jill is the reason why I apologize for Scream 4 and always have. She just works. It just, it must be who, like, Emma Roberts really is on some level. Because I'm sure she's not the world's, like, ex- most extremely talented actor. She's just bringing it. And it's just working and it's sincere. She is. I don't want to denigrate Emma Roberts because I don't know anything okay, about yeah. this. But no, me my neither. It's just my impulse. <laughs> he has got impulse. very strong feelings about her. And he's okay, like, okay, in which direction? He is like, she is that person in real life. I think he's, so too. He is convinced that Emma Roberts is Jill. And he's like, that's, she's not acting. She is I, that person. I could not agree with you more. And I celebrate it. I'm not upset. It's just who she is. Do you remember she, she had like a bit of a moment last year? I think it was like a TikTok thing where she posted some video of herself on the beach making like silly faces. And then everyone was rolling with it and talking about how it kind of looks like the footage of like a cop's missing girlfriend on his phone kind of does it sound familiar it does not just, but i it seems it's, very it's on very funny <laughs> yeah it's very funny i'm a fan i have to say that i am i'm a, i really liked scream queens really got into that even the second season were you there for that i was not i was not even there for the entirety of the first season wow and in terms of you didn't like it or you just did not watch it Brian Murphy and I have a very complicated relationship. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, and I tell him, don't. No, he's very powerful. <laughs> he could take. He's me sitting out. right here, and he's looking at me really funny. So okay, I just, he's gonna figure it out. It's been bookmarked for me to revisit because I think that where I'm at now, I would have more of an appreciation for it. Okay. I think at the time it was just so much, and I just you. didn't have the capacity for <laughs> for it. Wow, that's fine. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's not, uh, he's a controversial figure in art. It works for me often, the Ryan Murphy stuff. Oh, I loved Ratchet, and I don't know why that didn't make a bigger splash. I loved that. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. The ones I really loved were Scream Queens, Feud, I even got into that Halston one. I don't know. Don't listen to me. The taste is questionable. No, Feud is amazing. So your taste yeah, well, is unmatched. Feud is incredible. Um, I was really excited for that second season about Princess Diana and whatever her husband, but it did not happen. No. All right. Well, Scream 4, controversial Scream. We all have different feelings about it, and I think that's worth celebrating. But something that it was going to lead into but didn't unfortunately was going to be og scream five can i tell you a little bit about what could have been yes so as i mentioned earlier in 2011 williamson and craven were on record saying that if four was a hit five and six were going to follow four was not a hit and therefore five and six did not follow But in regards to what 5 and 6 could have been, we have a couple of interesting tidbits from the internet, specifically from Horror Queers, where Kevin Williamson himself was talking about the subject. Something that excites me the most about specifically the fifth film is that it was going to once again feature Emma Roberts as Jill. This time around, Jill was going to be (laughs) 
uh, at college. And the conceit of Scream 5 is that you have Jill at college. I, she survives. I don't know exactly how they're going to retool the ending of Scream 4, but they must have figured it out. Sydney is teaching at the college. Why not? I'm not asking questions. <laughs> and someone on campus, a.k.a. the killer, is aware that <laughs> Emma Roberts's Jill was the killer from the previous series of slayings. Nobody knows this, but the new killer. And so the new killer is stalking Jill on campus and bodies are starting to pile up. And so Jill is having to sort of hide the bodies and sort of, she she doesn't want to get killed, but she also can't expose herself for being a murderer and she's being blackmailed. So it's kind of this killer versus killer dynamic, like at a, college setting which i don't know sounds hilarious and i think would be really really fantastic do you have any like gut immediate responses to jill at college as a concept i do so i love the concept and i think it would work really well it just doesn't feel like scream to me i didn't know but did scream four did scream three (laughs) that's fair (laughs) (laughs) um it just seems like it seems like Mm -hmm. it would it would have taken the series in a direction that i think it would have had a hard time digging itself out of yeah there's no coming back yeah and i think the new scream does well um and again this not a spoiler um but Mm it's certainly you know has it's a commentary on the whole requel reboot restructuring the canon to make it fit with the new entry um, trend that's going on right now. And Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely, it would have been one of those decisions like in Halloween, the cult of the thorn or 8,000 different zombie Jasons that eventually (laughs) you start to run out of steam and the franchise has sort of hit a wall. And then you have no choice, but to either soft reset or reset entirely. So wait a second, you're anti-Halloween 6? So this is what I'm hearing. I am not anti-Halloween 6. Oh, thank I God. Would I was going to have to hang up. Any of the Halloween <laughs> movies. I love Good. them all. But I it's definitely... Oh, yeah, but it's you garbage, know what? I'm, I'm, I love I'm it. anti-Halloween 6 in the sense that because of Halloween 6, we had to get H20, which I loved. But because of H20, I had to get Resurrection, which is the only one I hate. I rewatched Halloween Resurrection. I hate, I, I was like, of course I've seen it. I'm not, you know, blind and deaf. I had seen Resurrection and, and yeah. And I had to rewatch it because I did a Halloween miniseries for this podcast back in October. And we did the follow-up to Resurrection, which was going to be called Retribution, which actually w- the script is incredible if you can find it online. It's very snowbound. Have you Are you familiar with Halloween Retribution at all? I'm not sure. I know that. Um, oh, it's so good. The only like unmade sequel I know is the. Uh, I think it was after Rob Zombie's uh, Patrick Lucy. Yep. I think. Um, yes. His plan yes. is that 3D. Retribution or three D. No, that was going to be three D, which okay. I have read that script as well. But I was covering the follow up to Resurrection, which was Retribution, which was going to take place in an abandoned asylum in like the middle of a snowstorm. It was mwah, excellent, but then I revisited resurrection for it and i have to say when was the last time you watched resurrection is my question i'm gonna start with back in october (laughs) okay so never mind i thought it was funny and fun i was like i i I was so much less mad than i've ever been at it 
but it just feels never... so tame and tame admittedly, yes. it's I get kind of bored. Like it doesn't have that same just thrill. Oh my god, of but Michael Ronnie Myers. Danger. I want him to have his own HBO series. Um, I want Tyra's producer to have her own HBO yeah, series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she can go. Even if I that like Ronnie or Donnie, whatever. I love I love him now. Um, yeah, the movie sucks. I don't know where I was going with this. Um so we did also get a definitive answer from Kevin in terms of Scream 5 on what was going on with Kirby. Spoiler alert, she is dead, people. Kirby is dead. I don't know what's going on in the new movie. Couldn't tell you. But in like the official Kevin Williamson timeline, Kirby is dead. Um, thoughts on that? I don't want to say anything. I'm not going to say anything one <laughs> yeah, way or another Kevin. with the uh, new movie. But <laughs> when I finished Scream 4, that was another thing that I said. Kirby is as close to dead as possible. Um, it reminds dead me. to me. Yeah, a lot of when Scream was announced, and there were all those rumors about Stu Mocker returning. Um, again, uh-huh. I'm not saying anything about anything. Uh-huh. Um, just I something. Just, you know, just with the the trajectory of the franchise, is some people just want to keep bringing dead people back, mm-hmm. and it just it wouldn't fit for me. Like, if you know Kirby dead or not dead. Scream 4, she looked pretty definitively dead to me. I mean, she got stabbed a whole lot. She and got then stabbed a whole lot, and she bled like a out. a bunch. If you get stabbed once in the tummy, goodbye. You're dead. There's so much going on in there that you Although, need. in fairness, since, like, probably Scream 3, I Cindy Prescott should be dead. Cindy should be dead. Gail should be fully dead. Gail? Dewey should be dead. Should all be dead. All three of them should be dead. And yes, magic is real. We all know magic is real. But we also all know that the first rule in magic is that you cannot bring the dead back to life. There are repercussions. Yes. I am with you. Don't be bringing them back. Unless it's it's Jill. Bring back (laughs) Jill. (laughs) Bring Jill back. She's alive. Um, I gave this all away already, but this was the exact quote from Kevin Williamson about Jill goes to college. So. Jill went to college, and then murder started up again on campus. And it was a killer who knew she was the killer from the last film. So the killer kept trying to expose her, and she would have to kill to keep it covered up. So it was killer meets killer, and Sydney was a professor at that school. Um, So the Sydney professor stuff I find so silly, and I love it. She was going to have a love interest who was going to be, like, the major red herring of the film. Because if you're Sydney Prescott, and you have a boyfriend... He's a killer. Like, he's going to kill you. So I think that's fair. But apparently she was going to end in happiness, which I think is lovely. Because that's what she her. deserves. She does deserve she, that. Does she have a baby in the new movie? This you can answer, unless it's a big spoiler. Then don't, then don't answer. No, she, a, she, she, a, she does have a baby. She's got, in the trailer, she's got that little stroller. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I actually reported on that, which was, I was like, wow, this is cool. Little mommy Prescott. Yeah, oh, that's that's the series. Except as a college teacher, this, like, proposed Scream 5, Cindy teaching on a college campus, I can promise you <laughs> yeah. she's not going to have a happy ending. Oh, no. At least not professionally. <laughs> maybe it's, like, maybe it's, like, not for the money, though. Like, maybe it's, maybe she's just, like, loves to teach. What is she teaching? She's, like, rich from the book. Um, how like biography, like how to autobiography one hundred and one. I don't know <laughs> how to survive a lot of murders. Yeah, she, she could teach that really good. Out of darkness, and it's also got a little 
self-defense extracurricular in there. I have been trying for so long. So one of my best friends of all time, her name is Emily Gagne. She writes the newsletter at Dread Central. I've known her since the first grade. We've been on our scream journey together since day one. And I have been trying to get a hand on like an authentic prop of out of darkness for her for so long. And I have gotten pretty close, but it's never actually happened. I always get outbid. But wouldn't that be cool? That would be so. I saw somebody on TikTok. There was an audio a few months back where it was like, what's something you have that like no one else would understand, but it means a lot to you. And she had an out of darkness book. Do you think it was real? Do you think it was like a proper or do you think she like, I don't know, but she seemed very proud of it. So I, I hope it's real for her sake. Cause that would be very cool to have. Scream six is just me tracking her down, killing her and taking it. Um, (laughs) And that's how meta it is. That would go to Sundance. And I think it would. Yeah, I think that's a. I mean, listen, that's enough for me on Scream Five. I don't know how you feel. Do you have any like wrap them up thoughts on the Scream Five concept as a college professor yourself? I, well, I so I like the idea. I think it would be a lot like Scream Two in the sense mm-hmm. of teaching on a college yeah, campus. Well, College campuses and movies are never college campuses, and... Excuse me? How dare you? I feel like they're always college campuses. And I feel like they're always filmed at the college I went to, which is the University of Toronto. Like, they're college campuses in in that sense, but just in terms of, like, the student body and the behaviors and, like, these big lunch halls and totally (laughs) unstructured classes... I'm just like, yeah, you know, it's high school. Yeah. Someone is getting murdered on campus. Yes. But no one is finding out about it because your phone is in a little pouch because you have a proctor for an exam. (laughs) Like, yeah, the tension is dissipated. I mean, nowadays, maybe even, maybe even less. Um, I went to theater school at the university of Toronto and I have to say there was no structure and I related to it. Also, it's featured very prominently in Urban Legend. Are you a fan? Is that the University of Toronto? Yes. Oh, and every time oh, I'm so excited. I love that. I read a cool bit of trivia about that. They had expected the weather to be colder there in Toronto and snowy, uh-huh. but they had of to course. delay the shooting. But they had planned for it to be a snowy Toronto campus. I didn't know it was the University of Toronto, but uh-huh. they had to wait until I think like the spring. But they did. They were like, "We're just going to keep the parka anyway," which is why that killer's got a parka on. Oh, it was meant it was to, to be, be. Yeah, that makes so much more sense and would have been way more I moody. So. I'm blaming you I, for that. I have no reason wow. to, but you were in wow. Toronto and it didn't snow. So. Oh my god, uh, that's fine. That's fair. What else? Oh, and um, Black Christmas. The U of T is in that too. You Uh-oh. know when he gets really mad at his piano? Oh, oh. I don't want to think about mm. him. I hate him. I mean, he got it, though. He got what he needed. He did. The waste of a oh. gorgeous piano. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He didn't know how to play piano, which I find confusing. Like, you're doing, like, even if you're messing up, even if you're nervous, like, I could have done what he's done, and I don't know how to play piano. So I've always been a little confused by that. Love that movie, though. Incredible movie. It really is. Um... Are you cool if I go into Scream 6 territory? How do you feel? Yes. Okay, so there's a little less information on this, but it's even better, I would say. So the basic conceit of Scream 6, 
was that it was going to be the answer of whatever happened to Dewey and Gail. But more specifically, it was going to really focus in on Gail and sort of give her a wrap up. Sydney, unquote, was in it, but it was going to be definitely less focused on her this time around. So we were going to see what's going on with Gail, what are her professional goals. It was going to be based on her having her own cable news show. And it was going to be, like I guess, some background, like, behind-the-scenes horror stuff there. What's the big famous... I sound like a complete idiot, but what's that? Oh, Network. I feel like it would have been, like, Network, Mm. but horror. And I think I would have been okay with it. Yeah, and it would have been Gail leading a film, and her, I think... I think her and Dewey having possibly a happy ending at the end of the day, because I just don't see them killing either of them. Yeah. How do you feel about Gail getting her own movie? So, honestly, I think that's why Scream 3 ranks so high for me, because it really feels like Gail's movie. And as much as I love Sydney Prescott, I love Sydney Prescott, and she's amazing, but that shift to just, like, Gail as our POV for the first two-thirds of that movie... It really works for me. Even with the bangs, it works for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. I so it would have been cute the, uh-huh. to cap it a been new very trilogy cute. like in the, mm. a similar vein of we're with Gale and Dewey now. Mm-hmm. I would have liked that. Even if they don't end up, like even if they divorce or something, because, you know, I feel like they probably should. Um, I would have liked to see what happens to them. I heard on a different podcast, do you ever listen to Unspooled? It's I do not. They were talking about why she had those bangs and apparently it had nothing to do with the movie. They didn't do it for the film. Uh, David Arquette convinced her to cut her bangs short because they thought it was going to make her look like Betty Page. And this was kind of around the time of like the big Betty Page kind of renaissance. And that's why she had that weird haircut. So here's where I start to question these Hollywood rumors because I was actually watching the, um, Drew Barrymore, she had the legacy cast on in anticipation of Scream 5 or Scream. And I had heard that story too, and I thought it was so cute because I remember the headlines Uh were David Arquette is responsible for Gail's bangs in Scream 3. And I said, what a cute story. That is an adorable story. I love that. So they recount this again on the Drew Barrymore show. And Gail says what actually happened was she had a a, a hairpiece for her bangs. Um, and it was too long in the front. So they needed to trim it. And she remarks how with some of these prop departments, sometimes when it gets time to shoot that they sometimes will only have one of a particular, you know, piece available. So they only had one pair of bangs for her. And so they were trimming them to get them to fit. Um, but I guess they had trimmed them too far. And in order to get it to adhere to her head, it had to be set back farther than they anticipated. And by virtue of that, they ended up being really choppy and short. Okay. And so I was that sitting makes there sense. and I said, what is the truth? <laughs> because I have heard a what different story about truth? this. Wow. We need to have like an eight part investigative podcast getting to the, the truth about Gail's bangs. I need to know yeah. what's going on with those bangs. Cause we I'm getting some be, conflicting accounts. We would, we would be eating for the rest of our lives based on this one, eight episode series. So we're going to get a it's, cease and desist from the Cox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She's mad. She's mad. She's mad about it. Um, so I don't know what the truth is either. If you do, if you're out there and you know the truth about the bangs, you should let us know at Devil Hell Pod on Twitter because we are interested. Um, yeah, 
I don't have too many more thoughts on Gail having her own movie. I would have loved to see it. Although the truth of the matter is, these are Sydney Prescott movies at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's how it's supposed to be. I don't know. Is the mo- is Would you say the new movie is a Sydney Prescott movie? Uh, do you want me to say that? Yeah, I'm okay with an answer to this. Um, so I think they do a very good job. Um, and that's why I think this one works so much more successfully than Scream 4 in that sense, because mm-hmm. they give the new cast time to breathe. And mm-hmm. Dewey Gale and Sydney are there. Um, and Sydney, of course, she gets, she has her Sydney moments. Um, but it never feels overwhelming or distracting, which at mm-hmm. first I thought I would dislike because I, I wanted to see Gale, D- Sydney, and Dewey. But I like mm-hmm. the way that, especially with the anticipation of spawning a new trilogy, maybe, that unlike Scream 4, it's like here is a new cast of characters, get to know them. And let these people develop. Um, and then Cine, Gale, and Dewey are there on the periphery as sort of supporting players. Cool. I like the sounds of that. They did not do that successfully with Scream 4. I no. can attest. Also, the characters, mm, they kind of sucked. Yeah. Like, the girl that gets her guts splashed out. Like, who is she? Why was she in that movie? Also, why was she in her underwear? I feel like these movies don't do nudity. I feel like there's, I like how there's no male gaze or minimal male gaze in these movies usually. Ah, there's, I don't, I'm not going to say anything else, but there's something in New Scream I think you're going to have a lot of thoughts on. And I think, I think you're going to like it. We're going to have a very cool subversion. Oh, really? I hope, I hope what you're saying is something to do with queerness because that's cool. Oh, oh, I feel like it is. Um, Are you into yellow jackets right now? It is it is another one of those bookmarks of That's I need fair, to watch it. <laughs> Listen, I have been putting it off for years and years, and every woman in my life is like at my door, like with knives, being like, watch it, watch it. And so I'm finally on episode six or seven. Yeah, you gotta watch it because um Jasmine something in the film is in it and mm-hmm. is incredible in it. Yeah. I feel like we're getting to the end. I feel like we've really done our due deal. And now we're going to go into conclusion territory. Maybe you know, maybe you don't know. But on this podcast, we decide if a movie is going to hit the green light or not. We have the clout, we are Hollywood, and we get to make these decisions. And this is a bit of a unique situation as Scream is not dead. So I'm going to phrase this question pretty specifically. Do you think we're ever going to see a Jill follow-up are we ever going to see jill again yes or no you know what i'm going to i think yes um in some capacity or another i think jill is going to figure into this franchise again wow i like to hear that um mm, something i want to talk about really fast and i'll probably slice this in in the middle somewhere thoughts on the tv show so I actually, I did the, for Gaily Dreadful, the movie recaps, I also did the show. Uh-huh. And I was not a big fan when I first watched it. And mm-hmm. I was that kid, I was an undergrad at the time, I would come home from class, and I would have it on the DVR on MTV, and I would watch it. And I did not like it. And in retrospect, though, having done a rewatch, I think it holds up really, really well. I think the mm-hmm. I love the mask. I think the voice is goofy, and yeah, I think I, I believe her name actually is Emma, the protagonist. 
She is. I find her to be so painfully boring and dull. <laughs> yeah, and she's terrible. Especially when she's flanked by all of these other really compelling characters. Yes. I question why she was our entry <laughs> into that show. Uh-huh. Why does it have to be her? But I, I mean, think it it mm-hmm. delivers genuine tension. I think it's way more violent than I thought it would be, and it's got some good kills. And I will maintain until the day I die, I think the Halloween capper they did, that sort of two-part mini-movie, mm-hmm. to you know end that thread out before they sort of quasi-rebooted it again, mm-hmm. I love it. And I wish more shows would do that. I wish we could have more just you know, really condensed slasher movies like that. I agree. It was, I've always liked the first two seasons. I think it's fun as hell. It's gorier than you're expecting it to be. You're getting that kind of Vampire Diaries teen drama satisfying storytelling. And some of the characters are making it worth your while. Uh, The queer character, the nerdy guy, they're really fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, And also (laughs) the podcast lady who's like, so obviously the killer it was like it was like upsetting yeah it's like okay serial this is reel it in uh did you ever watch the 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 third season i did and my thoughts are not as nice i very much they got the mask they did get the mask and i think they got i think it's roger jackson's voice too oh they got Um, they got him back they got back yeah Um, so that i think works really well and i do because i know that queen latifah was a producer and I really love just the idea of Scream, but, you know, expanding that black element and saying, we're going to have a black cast, right? Like, this mm-hmm. is something you don't see often enough, and we're going to do it. Okay, I have one more question for you, Chad. Yeah. Where can you be found online? Where can people find you if you so want to be found? So I can be found on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Chad is Collins. Um, follow me and help me expand my online cloud. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but there, and then my dread author page, and then I do have an authory page, um, mm-hmm. which is linked on my Twitter. If you follow me there. And that's just a really cool archive of all of the pieces I've written preserved digitally until the end of time or the end of the internet. One and the same. Um, amazing. Chad, this was a really, really fun conversation. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I hope that we're having you again in the future, maybe for a Halloween episode, who's to say? All right, well, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back with another episode of Development Hell. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.